He called my nephew, my seven-year-old brilliant nephew, the stupidest boy in the class. After he pushed back a boy who first pushed him, but the boy that pushed him first went and told the teacher after he got pushed back. After Casey Crucius was told that my nephew pushed this white child, she called him over and called him the stupidest child in the class. So when my sister found out about this, of course, she went directly to the school. And the top administrator at this school didn't believe her. So she called the teacher in. And then she called my nephew in. My nephew told her to her face what she said. And what did she do? Did she deny it? No. Nah. Casey Crucius didn't say a word. She just turned red. And that's when the top administrator of Morgan Park Academy, Miss Mercedes Shepard, proceeded to blame my nephew for the teacher calling him stupid. Of course, my sister was in shock and disbelief. And Miss Mercedes Shepard then followed up by saying that you can leave. My sister left and later that week not only received the withdrawal notice from Morgan Park Academy, but was told to not return. This award-winning institution that my sister chose so that my nephew could receive an equitable education as a young black boy heralds itself as being a school that focuses on small class sizes and strong student-teacher relationships and engaging the whole child and inspiring independent learning to prepare global leaders of tomorrow to make a positive difference in the world. They, as in Casey Crucius, couldn't even diffuse the situation between two seven-year-old boys without having her implicit bias explosively regurgitate all over my nephew. And it's not just that. It's not just Casey. My sister got emails nearly every day from educators at this school about how my nephew was supposedly a problem over trivial issues. We're talking like they're complaining because kids are laughing at words like booty, y'all. And let's be real, that's just a funny word. And I find it interesting now that my nephew, who's at a different school now, has not had a problem with the teacher or the school and my sister hasn't received one email. And hey, Morgan Park Academy is a private school, so they can do what they want, right? But as a community, we can also let them, and Casey and Miss Shepard, know how we feel by leaving a review or contacting them if you choose to. Because this child right here is brilliant. So Casey, I'm gonna say this right here, and I don't wanna have to say it again. Watch your mouth when you are talking about our kids, especially one that's related to me. Baby. We in here. Yeah, we in here. Y'all better get comfortable with saying black. We in here. Yeah, we in here. Black versus the Board of Education. Because we can That's why we are indeed a whole mood. That's it. I know y'all haven't seen us in a while, but we are officially back. It's April 10th. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Black versus the Board of Education. My name is Miss Laureen, and I am, of course, the hostess with the mostest. And, you know, before we get any conversation started, I got to let you know who's in the room. Uh, this particular episode is called Equity and Matters of the Heart, and we are so happy to have our guest 
our special guest joining us. But before we kick it over to her, I got to let you know who's here. So, Jalen, you go ahead and start us off. Hello, uh, my name is Jalen. I am a college student in the California area. But but what is, I am, the, but, what is the California but, area, Jalen? I am an honorary Louisianian. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <Yeah. Bruh. laughs> no, you did not. Miss Keela. <laughs> Oh my God, Lord. It's your girl, Keela, um, college student here. <laughs> That's all you gonna say. That's all I'm saying. That's all it is. Miss Jada. Hey, y'all. Hey, my name is Jada. I am a homeschooled senior in the El Grove area, and I'm glad to be back after a long trip. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Okay, okay. Um, I see some other people in the back. Go ahead and pull up Sam. Say hey, Sam. Hello. Also, Jalen, you can't claim yourself as an honorary citizen of another state that nobody said you were. They <laughs> no, 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 wait, 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 wait. All them people out there that we would just, we would just, you know, they claim me. Oh, they, 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 they like, me. We, we got to see you. We got to ask somebody. Oh, Lord. Where is, where's Anaya? <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. Okay, hey everyone. Um, my name is Anaya, and I'm currently a senior in high school. Welcome to the party, Anaya. <laughs> Where is Adrian? Hey everyone, my name is Adrian. I'm a college student here in Sacramento. It's uh, good to be back. Awesome, awesome. And we'll round off with Melissa. Hey, Melissa. <laughs> Hi, everyone. My name is Melissa, and I am a junior in the SoCal area. And Jalen, my sister, spent a week in Louisiana and is also telling people she's from there, too. So, come on, Maya. Maya's claiming them and they claiming him. Is that what it is? That's what it is, man. We like (laughs) TFOL. You know what? I'm going to need you to do something with your accent. Oh my God. And I'm losing my voice, but don't pay no attention to that. We have a special guest joining our conversation today. She is one of my favorite people ever, ever, ever. Uh, please welcome Ms. Zima Creason. She is the president of the San Juan Unified <laughs> School District. <laughs> so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, you are more than welcome here in this space. Um, I'm just glad that everybody else is getting a chance to uh, meet you because we have a lot to talk about and we know your district is going through some equity challenges as well. But before we get to San Juan Unified, I want to turn our attention to that opening uh, clip Uh, and I want to give some context. So Morgan Park Academy is located in Chicago, Illinois. The um, tuition for this particular institution is $24,500 a year. And the thing that really ticks me off is people expect you to pay this kind of money and for them to treat your children any type of way they want to or treat our children because they all mine. I'm going to claim them all. Um, and so when you guys heard, because I know I sent it in the group chat, um, when you guys saw this this video, tell me some something that came to mind. Come on, Sam, talk to me and I'm going to come to you next, Jalen. My computer is extremely slow, so excuse me if I'm lagging. Okay. So, you sound good. I'm like, this, this is super inappropriate for a teacher to be saying, you're a kid, this is the stupidest kid in the class. You get, It's basically implying that, uh, okay, it's basically implying that 
this kid is so stupid that you, you shouldn't be teaching them. They're just unteachable. They're, they're so dumb. I mean, like, they have a negative IQ. A 70 IQ, which is very below average. That's that's what she's basically saying. That's what she's implying, which is hmm. very inappropriate for a for a teacher-student relationship to be saying that uh, 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 to another student, like, to their face, to their face, saying that you are the stupidest kid in the class to a student that's not even that dumb. That, that's good grade. That's not that dumb. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and my problem is the baby is seven. So talk to me, Jalen. What, what were you thinking? It just reminded me of all the times that we go up to these schools and and people just once we call them out on their BS, they turn red or they cry or mm -hmm. they do all this other stuff. But you know what you did. And when the kid comes up and they tell their side of the story, nobody's believing them because of the power dynamic in the teacher student relationship. Mm. So it just reminds me of why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. uh, Anaya, talk to me. So I think I heard in the video that a kid had pushed the little kid and then he pushed him back and he was the one who got in trouble. It's just really interesting because that is what happens a lot to these black kids is when something is done to them, a blind eye is turned, nobody cares. But when they retaliate because they're hurt, it's like, oh, now you're in trouble. Now you're the antagonist. Now you're the person who did all the harm. So that's something that stuck out to me. Mm. Jada. Honestly, hearing about this broke my heart because it was like, he was doing what he thought was standing up for himself and he was getting in trouble for it. And like, there are normally these situations where the adults are like, oh, we don't believe you. Or like, they'll show that they don't believe them or they'll put it off. But you literally had the nerve to tell this kid to his face that he is the stupidest kid in the class and somebody giving excuses for the white child and his behavior towards the student saying, oh, maybe he should apply himself more. It's because of how he is in the class. And it's, it hurts because not only did Miss Cassidy, was her name? Cassidy? Was it? Cassius or Casey? Yes. Oh, Crucis or something like that. Yeah. No, she had no remorse either. Mm. When she was called out on it, she didn't say, oh, my, like, even if she said my bad, apology not, not accepted. But the fact that she had no remorse, she just had nothing to say after that. But she had all that stuff to say to the little boy. And it was, it's heartbreaking because I know that, like, as a seven-year-old child, what could be going through your mind? You're going there for a proper education. You get picked on. You stand up for yourself. Then you go to an adult to see maybe if the adult will handle the situation. And they're being double the bully that the little boy was. Oh, come on, Jada. I'm like, are we, like, mm. that, it was just heartbreaking. Melissa. It's just so frustrating because these are the stories that we unfortunately have to cover every week. And you're talking about all of your spending all of these thousands of dollars to send your child to a school mm -hmm. and they're being treated the same as they're being treated at the public school. Then what what the heck are we paying all this money for? I mean, like if we wanted the treatment that we're seeing continuously every week, we could have sent them to the school down the street. Mm -hmm. I, just, I, I, I don't understand. Ooh, let's see, Ke Keila, you. Whoa, that was Wait crazy. I'm like, what is your three, name, she, girl? She, she <laughs> all three of them. I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna call you all your sisters, and then I'm gonna get to your right. Name. Come on, Keila, talk to me. Um, I just think it's really sad. Like the teacher really fixed her mouth to say that in front of a classroom. So not only you said that to a kid, but then his whole peers Ooh. heard that. So I could just only imagine what was going on through his head, and then him having to report back to his mom about it and then like what other kids are even thinking about mm. what was going on in the classroom. Adrian. Uh, when I first saw it, it was very disappointing because I think this is what private schools do. They mm. say stuff to kids and they know they can get away with it because Ooh. they're private. 
you know, so we do is we mainly go into public schools and they got to deal with us, but private schools, they don't have to have that backlash unless we put it on blast like we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was very disappointing to see that, especially a black person in charge that chose to ignore it and she mm-hmm. chose to. Oh, I'm going to get to sister girl in a minute. I was just waiting for y'all to finish y'all's commentary. Not all skin folk can folk, and that'll show you. Well, and and this is the thing, and and we see it, right? We see that it's whoever makes it to whoever first, right? right? They could be dead wrong, but what statistics have shown us is that Black children are not believed. Even if the, he were to go to that teacher first, he wouldn't. He, the likelihood of him being believed is very slim. And then you add insult to injury by taking him into the office of another Black person who I've already told them when we go to these campuses, they represent some sort of hope for these children who are in this hostile education system. And they go into that office. They call this teacher in. She never says, no, she didn't say it. And the ire is turned on the boy and his mother and they're told to get out someone you can leave oh got it and she has a nerve to be a member of delta sigma theta a historically black sorority and this is how you're protecting our children whose parents are finding the resources to send them to your expensive school and you got the nerve sporting colleges miss mm. zima <laughs> 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 yes i i mm. yeah all the things i mean, what everyone else said my heart broke too for what that child experienced in that moment but you know mm-hmm. the uncle was talking about all this that was happening in the background leading up to this moment this kid has right. been bullied by these adults all his seven years or however long he was at this school and it's just, it ain't right. And when I, so I put that hat on as my heart just breaks for this child. And then my mom heart comes out. Like, I wish someone would sit up there and say that to my child. I would lose all my mind. Um, and so, you know, the pain and the trauma that the whole family goes through when something like this happens, it's just, it ain't right. And then with the school board hat on, I think about, well, they didn't follow any kind of product, uh, policy or protocols calls, right? When something's supposed to happen, it's written down exactly what's supposed to happen to investigate when things go wrong. Because things, I mean, things go wrong in schools, but there is a plan of action. None of that happened. None of that happened. So honestly, I'm glad that baby's out of there because that school's no yes. good for him, but it shouldn't have ever happened. And the, I think the worst part about the fact that she did it and called him the stupidest boy in the class in front of all those kids, it sets this motion in the kids brains that oh this is allowed this is acceptable which makes it double a more dangerous place for the kid because not only will he be getting picked on by the adults but the adult has made it acceptable for all the children to pick on him as well mm. so y'all talking today Ooh. because the way that i see it and and adrian you are 100 percent correct private schools kind of march to their own drum beat mm. but we expect more from private schools. We expect them to not treat our children like some of the public schools that we've taken them out of. We expect more from private schools. And if they can't do it, all these parents need to take their children out of it and find another institution that will serve their children. I am an advocate for homeschooling, but that's just me. So what other options do our parents have when there is no safe place for their babies to be? I can, I'm, you know, I think about, and, and this is in, in Chicago, right? You think about what's going on in the neighborhoods, all the stuff that we see. I don't know if it's true or not, 
but we see enough news stories coming out about how um, violent that area or Chicago is, right? right? And so if I am making this, the the decision to put my child in a school and I'm like, I'll even pay for it as long as my kid is safe and then they turn out to not be safe, what other recourses do, do parents have? What do y'all think? The only one that I can think is homeschool because if you're not safe in a public school, you're not safe on the streets, you're not safe in a private school, you're kind of just left with your own. I don't. Yeah, that's hard. And I'm pissed because he's seven. Yes. He could not defend himself in that moment. What happened to adults who had sense and could sit these children down and say, hey, 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 y'all, yeah, what's the problem? They're seven. Right. What's the problem? That's second what grade. What happened? Yeah. How can we keep this from happening again? But to turn it on the baby and be like, get out? How does that affect his educational future? Y'all are quiet. What happened? It could demotivate him to want to do well because he, based on what his own teacher is saying, it could make him feel like, well, there's no point in even trying if, if I tried this hard and she already thinks of me as this. You know, it kind of knocks down that motivation to want to do good when everybody keeps throwing the bad at you. Mm. Anaya, what motivation does he have? Um, I'm going to say other than maybe his parents and his family and himself, he has no other support, obviously not in the school system. So I'd say little to none right now from them for sure. Samuel, what, what other support, what, what other, what was my question? What, other, what, what motivation does he have? If he's called the stupidest kid in the class, how does that impact him in the future? It poses self-esteem issues of like I'm not good enough I always have to be the best I'm I'm just a dumb kid that doesn't know what I'm doing I all I have to study 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 hard or or I'm dumb or I'm stupid I'm gonna do bad on tests I'm gonna do bad on at school and that sets a dangerous precedent of constant self-improvement and self uh kind of self-hate under under Rooting self-hate that happens as a young age when you get called the stupidest kid in your class, of course, at seven, that gets ingrained in your mind and you're like, mm. if I, I'm going to be the stupidest kid in the class, if I don't study the hardest, if I don't do this, if I don't do that, if I don't stay up all night mm. studying, I'm, I, I'm dumb, I'm stupid, I'm not worthy of love or attention, and mm. that, that can start to fester in a student. Sure. Wow. Well, I, I just, you know, I, I think about what type of adults these are. I think about their motivation to even be in the school system in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then I, I think about the people that always tend to protect folks like this in the school system. And I want to back up what Mr. Krim said. I advise them to watch their mouth. And they could take it how they want to take it. But watch your mouth when you're talking about our children because we're not putting up with it anymore. And so with that, we'll we'll go ahead and, and transition. But if you would like to send an email over for Miss Casey or that buckethead administrator, uh, you could uh, find it. It's info at morganparkacademy.org. 
let them know how you're feeling. They might get something from me a little later. Um, but we're not playing this no more. Our children are not disposable. And they are not for you to make your pinatas or your little punching bags. They don't. They can't deal with that same energy when it's coming at them. So I suggest they watch their mouth. So transitioning, because we see the trivial issues, right? They're prevalent. You know, the multiple calls home. You know, for for minor issues, um, parents being called off jobs, right? And then I think about locally the things that we've seen in the last couple of, of weeks, right? Um, especially in San Juan. Uh, Ms. Zima, we had a chance to attend the WASC meeting over at San Juan High School. That was very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they can recap you if they if they want to. Um, but we've also seen um, the parent go into this, the classroom and put her hands on the child. Um, we saw the eruption at the school board meeting when they were upset about what you guys are doing in terms of equity. So as the person who sits <laughs> on the school board as, as number one, right? As that person, as you're watching all these things unfold, what is, what is going on in your mind and how are you planning to start to tackle some of these things? That's a big question. So I'll try I, to I was break trying to break it down, sis. I was, I was trying, but I kept talking because, you know, I'm still sleepy. But, you know, take it in, in little bite-sized uh, pieces if, if you want. No, I appreciate it. And, you know, we'll start with what's going through my head is we have a lot of work to do on so many levels. I mean, San Juan Unified is 75 square miles. We have over 60 schools. We're huge. We're in so much transition. We went from a five-member school board to a seven-member school board. We have three new, brand new members. Some of them never served on office. Some of them question the word equity. Um, We have a brand new superintendent. There's a lot of change in our district, and we continue to have distractions from the real work. I mean, at the end of the day, we want to make sure our kids, our babies have equitable academic outcomes, that they're seeing the same results as kids that ain't black. I mean, at the end of the day, and all this other stuff is going on, taking us away from the real work, which is making sure our kids have what they need to have a successful academic experience and not leave with the trauma that the poor baby in the video experience. And let's be real, kids every single day in my district and all over um, our country are experiencing in a very traumatic system. So Sam, what I have to tell you, please forgive me. I'm just getting over COVID. So my voice sometimes goes in and out and I don't have the most professional setting behind me. So I apologize. Mm-hmm. My brain gets a little pot fuzzy um, and I'm a little behind. I know what happened at San Juan High School, but I have not received the debrief yet that's on, mm-hmm. on the calendar for this week. So just based on the little bit that I know, you know, and just in general, no, nobody that shouldn't be on campus should be on campus. I know mm-hmm. it gets a little tricky when we're talking about a parent that has a child there, then yeah, they, you know, there are reasons why maybe they need to go into the office. I get all that. And I agree with all that. Um, But at the end of the day, no one should be able to walk up on any campus and commit a violent act, period, at the end of the day. And that's the review that needs to be done. Like how in the world this happened? And what are we going to do to make sure, absolutely sure this doesn't happen again? And again, not knowing any of the details yet about exactly what led up to that moment, I would, I'm led to believe, and I would just think that there's a lot that led up to this point. What could have happened? What, how could this have been de-escalated with the kids? How could it have been de-escalated with the adults? 
what can we have done to so that this never would have happened right. is where I want to go. So there's so much work to do. I mean, you mentioned, you know, we recently had an equity update and I'm proud. We have a lot, a lot of work to do in SJUSD for sure, but I'm proud, <coughs> excuse me, that our district has a dedicated equity department. It's resourced, it's supported the folks in there. We, we talk, it's collaborative. It's not, we don't treat equity work as a checkbox, right? It's in every single thing that we do. Our district doesn't pretend to know all the answers. That's one thing that, you know, as a school board member, now I've been, had the job a couple, for a few years, I've been able to liaise with other school board members in other counties, other districts. And what I see so often is they feel that they can fix the problems themselves. <laughs> they don't even know what where the bathroom is. You know, you don't know what the problem is. How in the world are you going to fix it? So I'm real proud that we're okay saying we don't know. And we have contracted with many community partners. We have a lot of community partnerships. We bring experts in. We people we bring the folks with the lived experience in, the people that are closest to the pain, people that really know to guide this work, to lead this work, instead of pretending like we know all the answers for, you know, how to fix the many, many problems that we're, we're seeing challenges with. What I'm personally very challenged with right now, um, you mentioned, Ms. Morlorine, that uh, you watched the video. We have, you know, we literally had a proud boy, and that's not me just calling people names, they call themselves, <laughs> a proud boy show up and run for office this last election cycle, shows up to lots of board meetings. We've had a board meeting, maybe a few, where the room's full of proud boys wearing all their garb and I'm the only black person up there. And, you know, <laughs> I'm just sitting there like, they're just ready for things to get dangerous when they come up talking about CRT and just anti-racist is anti-white. I mean, the things that come out of their mouths, is just next level. And I'm from Southside. So I'm just trying to keep come it together now. in this position. You know, I mean, I'm the only, what I think what, what they, they did some research. I am the only black, school board member since 2005 and they no one can find a record before them and so you know I'm looked at a certain way too right in this position I'm trying to keep it together as just this crazy's coming out of these people's mouths we have kids in the audience here and all this mm. and it's just we I my biggest fear right now is the backtracking you know um we have a lot of work to do but our district's pointed in the right direction you know we're, we were rowing the boat in the right direction. Lots of changes happening. So how do we make sure the new members understand what does equity even really mean? Equity is not equality. It's not the same thing. Why do we invest in this department? Why do we do the work? Why do we offer up books on white, white fragility for book reading for teachers? Why do we do that? Help you understand because they coming in with their own assumptions 100%. as we all do. And I'm worried about the work being stalled when the need is urgent. The need is right now. And our kids can't wait another second. Um, so I, now I know I'm going all over the place. But right no, now I'm, only, I'm just in save the children mode, which I always am. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, and, and it's a matter of urgency, like you said, right? And so I understand the need to cover all those questions because we put them out there and it was all in a, in a box. But um, I want to shout out to Omar Field Ridley and Lori Vine at, at, in your equity department because they are doing the work. They are uh, personally invested in making sure they reach out to community partners. We are proud to be a community partner within San Juan Unified School District. Now, um, Sam had a question, so I'm going to push it to Sam. 
I have a feeling Sam's going to have the heavy hitting questions. I'm ready, Sam. <laughs> say that you have many problems that you need to address and kind of you need to fix in your school district that you are uh, in your school district. I want to ask, what is the most pressing issue that you want to face immediately that is plaguing San Juan Unified right now? <sighs> I'm going to try to answer that the way you asked it. There's so many immediate needs. It's hard to break it down to one. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, we want our kids to have equitable academic outcomes. And there's all kinds of things that lead into that and support the child and get the trauma out of the classroom. Um, so at the urgent need is that. Because right now, you know, at the end of the day, if we ensure that our kids have a trauma-free, supportive, positive academic experience, we achieve those equitable outcomes, then our kids are going to have access to money at the end. This isn't just for fun to be like, I got an A. At the end of the day, it's, we want to make sure that our kids what they have what they need to go in and do the work, whatever work they want to, want to do, whether it be entrepreneurial, whether it be wherever it may be, what, you have the foundation. Then you go and make that money and you have that economic mobility. That's what my vision for our community is access to economic mobility. And the best way I can help that in this position is making sure our kids truly have the barriers removed to having those ac uh, equitable academic outcomes. So I, I know that's a loaded answer, but at the end of the day, that's my North Star every single day. And sadly, there's just so much on the perimeter that's just biting at that apple, you know, throwing in new hurdles every single day. And a lot of the hurdles that already existed are still there. Thanks. Yeah. Melissa. To, so equity has been the word that's bouncing around. And for some people, that is a really scary word. Couldn't tell you why. But for some people, they don't like that word equity. So what does equity mean to you? And how would you like to achieve that and get that embedded in the school system like you've talked about? What does equity mean to you? Yes. So I love I love this question because 100 percent half the people that say the word equity don't know what it means. Um, but it's the word to say right now. It gets you grants and all kinds of things. So I like to describe when I'm talking about equity for people that don't talk about equity or know what they're talking about, I like to describe this picture. And I know there's a lot of very problematic pictures on equity, but I think you'll like this one. It's a picture of a bunch of people riding bikes. And there's a short person, a tall person, somebody with special needs. Um, and everyone gets the same 10 speed. Not everyone can ride that 10 speed, right? It's the right size for one person in this lineup. That's, that's equality. You got the same bike. Equity is making sure everyone has a bike that they can actually ride so everybody can get from point A to point B. So someone that's short, they has a shorter bike. Someone that's tall, has a bigger bike. Someone with special needs has something that's adaptable and they could get there. That's equity. Laying the groundwork so everyone can get to that point B. And so when I'm talking about equity in the school setting, I want to make sure that it's all over the place. It's not just one thing, right? I mean, ultimately, again, as I keep saying, and I'll keep saying, equitable academic outcomes. We know that our kids aren't seeing the same outcomes because of barriers that they face that other kids don't face. Experiences that they're facing and the trauma they're facing that other kids aren't facing in the school site setting, right? So what can we do to support our babies at the end of the day so they have what they need to thrive in adulthood and they could achieve that money and achieve that economic mobility at the end of the day. Did that answer your question? Jada. Come back to me. My question is still formulating. 
Jalen? So I have a question um, of, is there a moment that clicked in your head that you knew that this was what you wanted to do uh, and be a school board president and fight for equity? There's a few moments, um, but I'll say the one thing that really pushed me over the edge is when my son, at that time, he was, what, fifth grade, fourth grade? He was, it was the fourth grade summer, like school starting the next week. Um, and he had a little YouTube channel. He's one of those, you know, playing the video games and doing the commentary. He was hilarious. You should look at the past archive episodes. <laughs> my baby got talent. Um, but he had his little YouTube and somebody got on there and started saying the nastiest, most hurtful, most harmful comments to him. I mean, calling him the N-word, telling him to kill himself, saying things about his mama. But it wasn't just a rando because they start saying very specific things about his school, people that went to his school, pretending that they were kids that went to his school. So it wasn't just some rando troll from nowhere. It was someone affiliated with my baby's school somehow. Maybe it was an older sibling. I don't know, right? Um, it was terrible. And it wasn't just one or two messages. I mean, it was pages of pages of just the most racist, vile, terrible things. And I, it was during the summertime, but it was a week leading up to school. And it was very obvious. I mean, the school was mentioned and I, long story short, I went for help and I couldn't get it. You know, I was like, I'm not, they were talking about beating them up, all kinds of stuff. Right. So I'm like, I'm not sending my baby to school with all this going on. Um, we need a safety plan, all the things. I, it, I, at first I couldn't even get a meeting. I called up safe schools. They were at first responsive, finally got a meeting, long story to get there, but we finally got a meeting. But at the end of that meeting, at the end of the day, there was two things said that I'll never forget. One of them got in my son's face and said, are you really hurt? Or is this just something kids do? And the other person in the room said something, well, sometimes parents blow things out of proportion. And in that moment, everything in me, I just clammed at me and me and my baby, we just stopped talking. Like there's nothing else to talk about anymore. You know, it's very clear where people are at in this room. We are not going to get help in this space. We're going to figure out how we're going to navigate this ourselves. And we did. But that was definitely a moment. It's like, I know other kids are going through this too. I know at that time when I decided to run, there were no parents. Oh, well, that's not true. There were parents, but there was nobody serving that had a child currently attending a district school. There was no black folks on that board. So, you know, just looking at, just looking at the gap, the lens that weren't there, what that wasn't there. I'm like, I can, if I go do this, I can be helpful. So my baby doesn't have to go through this stuff no more. And other kids don't have to go through this stuff no more. So, I mean, there was a lot that led up to that, but those, that, that was a major push. So for the folks who, you know, see you and yes, you are the only black person on your school board for the people in the back of the room. Can you explain to us what is that like? What type <laughs> of pressure is that? for you to show up consistently even though you have so some proud boys showing up it's so much <laughs> it's so much because you know you want to put your best face forward you know I'm from south side I'm you know I I'm trying to show up and be professional and put on what I'm supposed to put on in this expectation that's been in front of me but my heart hurts all the time. Like I really had to think about if I wanted to run for re-election because it's a painful job. It hurts. All that CRT stuff, they looking right at you. 
talking about equity. Anyone has anything, a question about uh, the black community? I supposedly know everybody, in case you didn't know, in the black community. And I have all the answers. <laughs> you know, the expectations are <laughs> ridiculous. Um, it's been really hard. It's been a really hard road, um, to be 100% honest. And keep up the face when I'm mad or I'm sad. Um, but a few things that I've done to coach myself along the way, number one, something why I decided to run again, it's like, I'm not going to cut and run on my community when they need me most. That's just not going to happen. You know, there's a lot of work to do. And if I don't do it, who's going to do it? We have proud boys running, you know, the, the other folks that do not share our values are ready to step up and do this work. And I can't, I can't, I need to do my part in this moment. So I'm in it. Um, I also recognize it's okay to be myself. It took me a little while. Yeah, I used to cover up all my tattoos and um, try to put something off, you know, like I deserve to be in this space. I had that, you know, I'm sure y'all have heard that imposter syndrome. Like I don't really mm -hmm. deserve to be here feeling. It took me a while to get over that. But then something happened along the way. It's like, you know what? Recall me. I got elected for being me. I was 100%, 100% of the time when I was running for election, just because I'm on this dais now, just because I'm in these spaces now, doesn't mean that I can't be myself 100% of the time. So I'm just going to do that. And I'll tell you that truth set me free. You know, my heart, I mean, it's, it's a hard job and my heart hurts a lot, but being able to show up with the lived experience I bring to the table, that's what I'm here for. Right. And bringing in the community, the folks that are, again, closest to the pain that have the lived experience, the folks that we say we're seeking to serve, but we just keep them on a committee and a checkbox. No, I'm here to bring us all into this together. So it's a hard, it's a hard job. It's really, really hard. And it's hard to be the only of anything, right? But I'm slowly finding peace, <laughs> slowly finding peace. And when you say, just so I'm clear, when you say your heart hurts, you don't actually mean that physically it is having an, a, a taking a toll on your body, do you? Some days, I'll say some days it has physically taken a toll. I'm in a better spot right now, but there have been, I don't get migraines. Um, I'm just gonna be hundred percent. I'm feeling all vulnerable with y'all. No, I, do. I don't usually have migraines. That's not something I've ever, you know, experienced, but there's been bouts of tremendous stress where I have to go into a dark room. Right. And that wasn't something normal for me before taking on this job. Um, so there has definitely been some physical reactions to when it's gotten bad. Um, Cause when it gets bad, it gets really bad. I mean, it's hard to be in a room full of proud boys and be the only black person on the dais. It is, it's scary. It's a scary, you know, we've seen the violence and my immediate thought always is how do we get the kids out of the room? Right? Like where are the exits? How do we get them out of the room? Um, so that has taken its toll. And then I'm just sad a lot. You know, I'm sad, you know, what a heck of a time to be a school board member. I started again, my first election was in 2018 at a time of tremendous crazy, <laughs> you know, and then we went into distance learning and people just don't act right, you know? That's putting it mildly. No yeah, mildly. that's me trying to be tactful. <laughs> yeah, 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 I get it, I get it. Miss Jada? Hearing about how much of this stuff takes a toll on you mentally, emotionally, and physically, I'm curious, what goes through your mind when you hear about these certain stories that, I read about or I hear about or I talk about amongst my team. What kind of stuff goes through your mind when you hear about some of the stuff that's happening within your school district? Make it, well, there's a lot to be proud of. There's a lot to be ashamed of. 
So things that go into my mind (laughs) often is like, what in the heck happened? How did this happen? You know, when I see the bad stories, things that should never have happened, how, why? And then I ask questions, you know, that's my job. How did this happen? Show me the play. Help me understand how we got from point A to point B. How do we make sure it doesn't happen again? Because in my position, we can't punish people. We're not HR, right? We have this scope, but we are in charge of policy. So is the policy helping or harming our kids? And how do I bring that to light? And sometimes the issue is the policies were not followed. And then that's one track to follow. And then sometimes the policies just aren't right. The work wasn't right. So, I mean, as I see bad things happening in my district, sometimes it also motivates me to keep going because that's why I do it. You know, that this is why I did it. I didn't get into this because everything's rosy and great. You know, I did this to be helpful and I believe I can be. So, I mean, that's the humanity of it all too, I suppose, right? You know, I do, the only reason why I do anything is to be helpful. I'm just wired that way. And if there wasn't a need for me to be in this spot, I wouldn't be here. And because there is that need, there's that hurt because my, you know, I just put my heart into all this. And like Miss Laureen said at the beginning of the podcast, like all y'all are my babies. I feel the same. I say the same thing all the time. My 35,000 plus kids, <laughs> they're all mine. <laughs> um, so I take it real serious. I take it real personal. I take it really personal. Um, and I ask the hard questions, you know, I ask the hard questions. I bring, sometimes I say things that, my other follow board members don't say because their lived experience is different. And if I'm not there to say it, then who will be? Nobody. Let me ask you this before we go to the next question. I think Adrian has a question, but before we go to Adrian, um, I want you to just, you briefly mentioned it, but I want you to make it really, really clear. So when things happen in your school district, You just said that that is not your scope of work. You can't punish people because you are not HR. So can you go into, um, so that we can really set folks' expectations, right? So when something happens and they come to you, can you tell them what exactly you can do and what they need to go to somebody else for? Yeah, no, thank you for elevating that. I appreciate that. And I I hope that did not come off as, there's nothing I can do when something goes no, wrong. No, 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 no. I just want to make sure we manage expectations because um, sometimes people are confused what all can um, be done, right? They go to certain people thinking or expecting them to move mountains when they it's not their scope of work. So can you talk to us, uh, before we go to the next question, talk to us about your scope of work and what you can do and where they may need to reach out to somebody else for something else that they're looking for? Yes, yes, yes. So the board only hires and fires one position, and that's the superintendent. The superintendent is in charge of all the other staff. So we, the board is kept very, very removed from all things HR, except for how it relates to the superintendent. Um, there are a variety of contracts in place for all of our employees with our labor unions. And so there are uh, negotiations and bargaining that happens related to discipline, pay, everything, everything to do with our workforce. So a lot of how discipline, when things go wrong and a teacher's involved or a staff person's involved, a lot of that's laid out in contract, exactly how things are supposed to go. Where the board has to say, so the board, our board, I think some districts may do it different, but in SJUSD, our board does not have a representative on the bargaining team. Instead, we have cabinet members that do that, come back and report to us. We ask questions. 
we get feedback, then they go forth and continue bargaining. So what I've learned, and I have learned a lot on the job. There's so much I didn't know coming into the job. For example, I want to bring up an example. When I first started um, the position, I just knew one of my major goals was I want to make sure every staff person and board member, every, not just teachers, not just staff, the board too, we all get anti-racist training, all of us. I quickly learned you can't, you can't mandate that. That's not how it works in California. It's contractual what professional development is mandated unless it's mandated by the state. And there is some beauty to choosing your own adventure. You know, you have a job, you want to grow in certain areas, you can kind of choose where you want your professional development. There is some beauty in that. However, somebody that needs anti-racist, first of all, I think everyone needs anti-racist training, but somebody that really, really needs it, they're not going to choose that adventure. <laughs> they're not going to cho choose that form of professional development. So, you know, so I bring this example up to say, I learned really quick some of the major goals that I had are really removed from the local government piece. So how do you influence in other ways? So I had to start getting creative. It's like, well, if the legislature uh, passed something just like they do sexual harassment and all the other child abuse prevention, all the other mandated trainings, anti-racism could be one. And then it takes it out of the bargaining, um, the bargaining conversation. So I bring that up just as an example of the learning and the path that I've gone through to learn where those where the separation happens. So the board is in charge of budgets and budgets are statements of values. So how are we spending our money? Most of the money goes to staffing. Um, we, all our contract contracts come to us. We do get a report of all the hirings and firings. It's pretty much a rubber stamp. It's not like we're involved in any interviewing, but if there's any changes in any employee relationships, it's something that comes by our desk. We are in charge of all the policies. And that's where I feel the real, and I'm a policy person. Um, I've done state policy for all of my career. And so that's one of the reasons I was really excited about this position. So the board is in charge of policy. What is the policy of our district? That sets the tone. What's the expectation? What is our culture? And then that's putting it on, you know, once we do that as a board, puts it on the superintendent to implement. And then it's up to us to hold our superintendent accountable go through the review, really go through a real true review process, provide goals, provide feedback. I meet with my superintendent no less than three times a month, you know, talking about, you know, future board agendas, things that come up from community, whatever it may be. So having that conversation continually, you know, really invest, I invest in this job. And so I support our superintendent to ensure we're doing what we say we're going to do. Yeah. I think a lot of pair, I mean, there's so much that goes on on the day to day at a, any given campus, right? So I know that I get, I, I, I respond to every email I get. It might be a short response. Thank you for your advocacy. You know, maybe there's not a lot I can say beyond that. And they're just alerting me to something. But I get a lot of messages from folks needing help. You know, something went wrong with my kid. You know, something happened to my kid at school. And so I spend a lot of time pointing folks in the right direction. It's always start at your school site, you know, starting with the principal, seeing if it can be resolved in that level. If not, then there's district staff that gets involved. And we have several departments. We have community partners we could bring in, depending on what the issue is. All that said, if we're getting down to expulsion um, and somebody wants to, you know, uh, didn't agree with an expulsion recommendation, right? That's something that could come to the board, Um or could go to the Sac County Office of Education. So I'm, I know I'm kind of getting off track, but pretty much, you know, policy, contracts, budgets, 
um, is really where our focus is. All that said, though, anyone in this position does have some influence. So I know that I spend a lot of time getting all the details, getting all the facts. So even though I'm not, you know, in charge of discipline of a staff person, when something goes wrong, I ask the questions. Let me understand the real backstory. What went wrong? How do we do better? And then how does policy and the board support that forward movement, not just leave it at, oh, this is outside of my scope. Did that answer your question? Yeah, I mean, and it brought up more questions, but I'm going <laughs> to kick it to Adrian, and then we're going to go to Anaya, and then Sam has a question. So, Adrian, um, do you have a question? Uh, yeah. So, like Ms. Lorene said, we recently had a WASP meeting that was called because of a teacher, white teacher saying the N-word. Uh, so in that meeting, a myriad of issues was brought up, and one of them that stuck out to me was the parents referring to San Juan High School as a throwaway school. Hmm. So I wanted to get your reaction to that on why they feel it's a throwaway, or if you feel or other members on the board feel schools in the districts are looked at as throwaways, and yeah. what do you think? What do you think needs to change um, in that school for not to have that stigma on it? Wow. Hmm. I'm going to do the best I can. So I'll start with the easy answer is no, that is not a throw. None of our schools are throwaway schools. Um, and I've never heard anyone talk about any of our schools in that way ever. I, I haven't heard that. I, and I can't speak for my full, you know, the rest of my fellow board members, but that's not, that's just not how conversations have gone. And San Juan High School is a major priority for Citrus Heights schools have had declining enrollment for years and years and years. Um, it's just changed so much. Um, frankly, leadership has changed so much, not just at San Juan High School, but I'll talk about San Juan High School because that's what you asked about. Lots of different principals over a very short amount of time, different vice principals, just different staff altogether. It's been in the declining enrollment. It's not a destination school. And so that's not something the board, again, I'm going to speak for myself. I'm going to say what the board wants. It's not something I wish on them, but it has been a reality of the times. And there is a need to dig deeper into how do we make San Juan High School a destination school again? Do Does the community really know all that that school has to offer? We know that we're losing a lot of kids to, um, uh, what's the school district right over? Well, Roseville schools, Rose, Roseville and Granite Bay, a lot of kids that would be going to a citrusite school go over, you know, I guess it's Placer County, but I don't know the name of their school district. We're losing kids. So I think, you know, when we have the whole ADA, how we fund education, right? We get paid per kid per day, which is just ridiculous. Um, it should be based on enrollment, but that's a discussion for another day. Uh, schools that don't have as many kids don't get as much money. Mm. And that's a problem too, because how do you re uh, build robust programming when you're losing money every day and you're just trying to keep it afloat with the staff that you need to make sure the education continues. How do you really grow? How do you innovate? How do you thrive? Um, I will say, you know, Citrus Heights has been, I think this is definitely public, so I could say it. They're looking into breaking off into their own school district. Um, they're, it's my understanding they're going to be doing a feasibility stat study in the near future to see if they could do a better job and they could take on, um, take on their own schools and, you know, our kids deserve the best. And if there's a way that that local government can do better, then so be it. You know, the kids have to come first. But I wonder what that plan would look like. How do, how do we get there? There's a lot of work to do. 
and it's not going to be quick. Um, as for what happened with the teacher saying the N-word, I just, when I heard that report, I just, it was another one of those, what is happening? And so you're in the twilight. Sometimes you get these phone calls. It's like, this is, this is a Jordan Peele movie. I'm just like, well, I don't understand what's happening. Like, like how, how, what, you know, um, obviously I can't, you know, talk a lot on HR, but I will say that, you know, that teacher is being addressed. I will say that. I will say, I'm so glad no one, was, and you guys were at the WASP meeting. I wasn't. So tell me if there's more, I don't know. I'm getting a debrief on all kinds of stuff later this week. Again, I'm getting over being sick, but I'm happy that we don't try to make excuses for terrible, terrible actions of adults. Um, no one, no one said it was okay. No one tried to make excuses, but how did it ever happen? And that's where it gets really tricky because, you know, what we have 6,000, I think about 6,000 staff. What do we do to ensure that all of these individual adults don't cause harm? And sometimes, Miss Lorene, you said something earlier. It's like, it makes me wonder, why did you get into education? I have had that thought so many times. How can you do something like that? How can you say something like that? And in your head, you really thought that this was the right thing to do. How yeah. did you end up in this space where you could cause so much harm? Because they're protect they're protected by the teachers' unions. But and uh, we so at that WASP meeting, uh. Various parents were uh, and students that were there were saying that the teacher was backed by other teachers. So um, she was after, not addressed. Yeah, after <laughs> she had said the N word, um, they had other teachers backing her and telling the kids, and, and telling the kids to to deal with it. And they were ripping their posters off the wall. And yeah. then she said that she just said it in the heat of a moment. But I don't know who goes racist in the heat of a moment. And then they had a poster about that said that exact same thing that Jada just said, and yeah. they ripped it off the wall. Yeah. So there's a lot of adults over there whose behaviors are not being addressed. Um, and I don't know if you will get that report. However, that day after the WASC meeting, we did have a podcast. So if you want to go and get their raw reactions from attending that meeting, um, that is up for you. Uh, Miss okay. Anaya. So I wanted to make a comment and okay. then also ask my question. It was really interesting how, what should I call you, Ms. Zima? No, just Zima. I'm just Zima. Oh, I got I to add the miss, you know, respecting, <laughs> but thank you, thank you. Um, it was really interesting how you had shock reactions to some of the things that we know about that went on or that my podcast members brought up. That's really interesting how fast word travels, how you didn't know some of the stuff, but the public does, which... That's really interesting. But my question was, what was my question? Oh, what is the thing you would say you are most proud of that is going on in your district right now or that has happened in the past? It's hard for me to move on to the positive with you're right. No, and I'm sorry. <laughs> like, so let me address your comment and thank you for letting me know. And it brings up a real good point. I'm not everywhere, right? And I get filtered down version. I, I get one perspective, maybe a couple of perspectives sometimes when things happen. And I've been out. I haven't gotten my full briefing on half of this yet. And I apologize for that. And it will happen this week. But, and this is something I tell folks all the time, there's so much that'll happen that I'll never know if you don't tell me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, and it's not everyone's job. And I feel bad putting that on people because it isn't your job, right? But at the same time, without 
your lived experience and the knowledge you have, if I don't have it in my head, I can't bring it to the dais and I can't bring it to this work, you know? So yeah, no, I am shocked. I was like, cause that's, I've heard some very different things than what you just told me. So I'm absolutely about to listen to your mm. podcast. It's going to have. Yeah. Yeah. She said, say it again. Oh, so I said, please do. Cause there was a lot that we covered during that meeting. Um, but a question of mine was, wait, hold on. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. So my bad. We got to yeah, go, yeah, yeah, go yeah. back to Sam, and yes, then I'm going to go to Keela, Keela, and then back to you. And we're going to go over because we've been off for a few weeks. Um, so yeah, we got we're going to go over a little bit. <laughs> so we're going to get all your questions in. Uh, but be, be mindful of the time. Go ahead, Sam. Okay, so I wanted my question was, um, you see in these situations where the parents and the advocates are the only ones holding these schools, these teachers, and these administrators accountable with the school board either not having the policies or just straight up not holding these schools and teachers accountable like uh, like they should. So my question was, what is your plan to implement policies to hold these teachers accountable, hold these schools accountable while supporting these Black students and Black parents in these experiences that and these traumatic experiences that they have? Well, I have the the fast answer to that, and it speaks to the first part of your statement, Sam, is yes, there are too many students and families that are holding it down all by themselves that have no clue how to escalate because it's not easy to find the information. That information isn't readily available. What do you do when things go wrong? When something goes bad, what do you do? What is that protocol? What are your rights? What are your rights as a student and a family? People don't know because we don't make it easy for them to know. So I think one of the biggest things we can do, and this is actually something I've talked to the superintendent, I've gotten an agreement to do it, is we need to put something out in a variety of formats, more than one time a year in a back to school uh, you know, packet, not just a piece of paper, but a know your rights training and um, information about the roles of the school board, what is the role of the school board, the cabinet, your school site, what do you do when things go wrong? So my vision is something real easy to understand. You don't have to read a novel to understand what to do, who to go to, who to call, who to email, and that it's not just one way, that we have multiple tracks to getting the help that we need. I'm at a point, I mean, because you're right, I mean, 100%, we need to work on the implementation. You know, let's look at what are our policies, where are the gaps, of course, and where can we fix? But there's a lot of policies that are there that just aren't followed, right? Things are just going wrong that shouldn't go wrong that we've already called out and shouldn't have ever happened. Part of the problem in be 100% is we don't have enough humans doing the work. We The workforce, I mean, there's a lot to that, but we don't have the workforce. We do not have enough people to do the jobs that we need to do in education. And it's getting worse, not better every single day. We don't have, and understandably so, I could talk, this could be a whole episode. We do not have enough people that look like us in the classroom, at the school site, in leadership that could call out and will call out when the implementation is not happening. But that's understandable because so many of us have been traumatized by the system. Why in the world would we go back and work for it? Or mm -hmm. some folks, what I hear, we get back into this system. We do want to do this work. We do want to help kids like us. And then the environment isn't supportive. It's not, we can't retain that workforce. Facts. You're talking. So 
I know that was a really sloppy answer to your room. No, no, that was no, great. No, 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 that was, that was, that was, was amazing. Now you were talking. You were talking. But I have to think of the two really like two right now would be like we need to fix, we need to do better for the workforce. And I forgot my second one. It was the first thing I said. It flew right out of my head. Uh oh. Well, think about it and and bring it back. But Keela, I'm gonna call you Kima. I missed Kima when we were gone. But dang, come on, (laughs) Keela. It's oh, no, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm going to go back because it just flew back. My COVID oh. brain's real. So yes, the 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 employment piece of it, the workforce piece of it, and then going back to the know your rights training. How what do you do with what goes wrong and make it real digestible, real easy. People don't have to read a novel to figure it out, and that it's not just this one thing at the beginning of the year. It's something provided several times through the year because you know, trauma and drama doesn't work nine to five. Uh-huh. And my email and or website needs to be on that flyer when you decide to disseminate it to the kids because they were saying they didn't have, yeah. they didn't know we were out here. They, and they know. didn't know that, that help was available. So let's make sure we get on those things that you're going to disseminate. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a two-parter, but due to time, I'll do like the first part. What is your number one motivation? Like, why do you do what you do? Save the children. <laughs> Come on, I just want to be helpful. I want to be helpful. Like that's my one number one end of the day. I want to be helpful. That helps me sleep at night. I come with my own trauma and drama. Right. And part of my healing is being helpful. And I know I can be helpful in this space. And kids are, I mean, I went through a whole lot when I was young and a lot of it happened at school and mm-hmm. If I can make that a better place, I will. And if I can help y'all get your money, I will. Because at the end of the day, it's all about the economic mobility. <laughs> you know, we want so much terrible, the terrible outcomes to go away. Stop getting away of these kids' money, right? Mm-hmm. That generational mm-hmm. wealth. Let's start, let's start that. <laughs> so, yeah. Those are my motivations. The question that I had in my brain. Hold on. Okay. Um. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. I did it earlier you were, too. <laughs> <laughs> you were saying that most of the issues that you were shocked about that we had brought up, you didn't know about unless we bring them to you. My question is, how can we bring them to you? And also, as the president, are you able to sit in on some of these WASC meetings where these parents are sitting in and having these talks with these people in these high positions of power because I think there was a, two parents that walked in and one of the uh, one of the principals at another one of the San Juan schools was there and they were constantly pointing out oh you didn't do anything about this problem that was happened way before and it was just like it just seems like a lot of these unsolved problems and no matter how many meetings that they have like this there's going to continue to be some unsolved problems and hearing about how you haven't heard about some I'm concerned about what you've heard about and what has been kind of filtered and Mm -hmm. that might that may be a reason why some of these problems haven't been solved so can you like are you able to sit in on some of these meetings or if not how can parents and students bring them to you um so I'll do the easy one first call or email me zima.creason at sanwan.edu and my cell phone's 916-837-2214 like I'm I'm around for real around um, I'm really bad on messenger and the DM and stuff that gets wild, but, <laughs> but that is, I mean, share it widely. That's my cell phone. That's my email. And I will, I I'll call you back. You know, I might not be able to pick up the phone immediately, but I'm around. You will hear back from me. 
um, wasp meetings. So I sat in on my first wasp meeting. I didn't know. I, I didn't know that that's something that we did as a board. Um, mm -hmm. Rio Americano, their principal invited me to sit in on a wasp meeting with parents there a couple, maybe a month or so ago. And I, I accepted the invitation. Anytime I could get into a space and hear directly from community, I try real hard to accept. And I went and that was the first time. And so that didn't come to me from the district level. It's something we could ever do. Never something I even thought to ask about um, until I got that invitation. So I think I can, based on that, I think I can sit in on those meetings. It's tricky though, because I'm not informed of all of them. So it's right. helpful if someone can let me know. Um, and I know that's putting it a lot on other people, um, but I just, with 64 schools, 60 something schools, it's, I just don't know what's going on at all of them all the time. But I will tell you, cause it's true, you know, just like you said, you know, I get this, I hear some things from some people. I don't hear everything, but I really value the community that shows up, right? I mean, community reaches out because I have tried real hard. Not, that, I mean, I need to keep doing it and I will keep doing it. I try to put myself out there. Like everyone has my cell phone number. I mean, I try, but I haven't, I, especially when COVID went down and you couldn't be around anybody and build new relationships and make sure people had your contact info. It, it was challenging to just make sure people knew I existed and I'm around, you know, and, you know, I'm not trying to fake that. No one gave me a checkbook. I don't have all the answers, right. You know, but I'm really good at listening and having an understanding of what's real, real. And then let's bring in the people that need to be involved and not just backing out. Like I'll be there to follow up. I'm here. If you just want to rage text, I'm here for, you know, until we get to where we're trying to go together. I'm here for all that. So I do appreciate when individuals reach out and just let me know what's going on. Um, and I try to show up as much as I can to as much as I can. Right. Right. So I can listen for myself and be aware. Because I admire the way that you talk about protecting as you put it, your children within these school systems and hearing the way that the teachers treat them and the way the teachers talk about them, they do not talk about them with a level of passion like you do. So I really think that it would be super important for this these issues don't to be make brought her to cry. You. Oh, oh Lord. She's a crier. Don't make her cry. <laughs> no, but it's it just, it just, it's apparent. It's very there. It's, it's, you don't hide the passion that you show when it comes to protecting your children and the way that they, even when we talk about it to them, they don't show this level of commitment to solving mm. the issue. It's sort of just like, yeah, yeah, that sounds rough. You think? <laughs> like, what are we supposed to do to solve it? You know? <laughs> yeah, I told you, Lord have mercy. <laughs> no, we That's a sad story. Um, <laughs> you know, and I mean, I, to me, I don't try. You know what I mean? Like, I, of course I try. But I mean, this is just no, you, who I am. Or you do. Um, well, you I try do. to do the work. I try. I mean, I mean, yes. But the passion, you know, to me, I'm very even keel. Like, I can't even tell I'm being passionate right now. Like, this, I just care so much. And it just, I don't see how everyone cannot, you know, especially right. doing this work. Like, how can you be in this proximity to children and not care this much, you know, why would, why? Um, and I don't know how to motivate people. Some people, I mean, we have a Sometimes lot of, you just got to sit them down. Mm, that part. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, some of these people need to go have a break forever. <laughs> so look, We're running out of time, but I got two quick questions. I'm going to go with the easy one first. What size shirt do you wear? Cause from our team here to you, 
we want to send you a BVBOE short shirt. So what Ooh. size do you wear? Large, please. I'm working Large, on the whole. <laughs> uh, he said it's comfortable. Somebody said it was comfortable. <laughs> and then the yeah. second question I have for you is how can we support you? For sure. Oh, I wasn't ready for that question. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like that's, that might be the hardest hitting question. Oh, Don't cry. This is a hard hitting interview. Um, get, I would love to get back to you. Number one, keep doing what you're doing. You know, you're here for the kids and that's a hundred percent in the families, right? Number one, when there's no, when you don't know what to do, call y'all, you know, that's everything. That's absolutely everything. Um, thank you for just having me. I mean, this was helpful just being able to talk mm -hmm. to y'all and just be in community with all y'all. Cause again, not to be all sappy, but now I'm feeling all emotional. It's a lonely job and I have yeah. struggled, you know, and it's hard being the only. So to be in community with my people, <laughs> just have real conversations and not try to convince that reality is real, that no, the struggle is actually happening and we're not just making this up. <laughs> you know, it's not just in our heads. This is not yeah. about just work harder. Um, it has really touched my heart and has really lifted me up. So please just keep doing what you're doing. And I would love to call on you as things come up, you know. Please. Oh, actually, I have one solid one. As you're hearing stuff, let me know, because I don't want to create more work for y'all. So, I mean, if you already do summaries or if there's some way, and I'll pay attention, I'll go read the, or watch the last podcast. Keep me in the know as much as I can without creating more work for you. So I can be more aware of what you know that I don't. And I think what we'll do is we'll plan a trip to a board meeting. Oh, please. Come see you. Maybe please. we'll deliver your shirt. When's the next one? <laughs> she said we'll deliver your shirt. Tomorrow. Oh, come on. Oh, oh. Lord. Tomorrow. All right. Okay. All right. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yep. At six o'clock? Isn't that crazy? Uh, open session starts at 6.30. Closed session, I think, starts at 5.30. Okay. So 6.30. We'll be there. Okay. We will see you tomorrow. We're going to come with your gift bag. Yay! This is so All exciting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll get, we'll have to have you in the office soon so you could sign our board. Yeah, that's well. what I was just thinking about that. And take pictures with us. Yeah. We like There's to a do board that. Oh, look at that. Thank you, Miss Zima. Great conversation. Bless you. Come on now. Bless you. And, um, so we're going to go visit Ms. Zima tomorrow. So y'all come with your shirts on. Uh, let's go out there and spread some love. Yay. We'll the polos, um, the BBBOE polos. Gotcha. Tomorrow. The one Adrian got on and we'll make sure yeah. to bring you one. Right. A polo and a t-shirt. Okay. Okay. And, and maybe a, a hoodie if we find one. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's hot now. I mean, it is hot. hot. So we, we'll try to hook you up and then we'll bring you uh, one of these little... So there's I'll zoom in it. on this, zoom in on this, because we, we gotta seconds. we gotta make Why sure. Pop sockets. Pop sockets. As soon as he zooms in, yeah, we have these pop sockets. What's that, a pop socket? It goes on the back of the phone. Oh, the twirly thing. Not yeah. the twirly thing. Yeah. yeah, it goes in and it, goes and it out. says whole mood. You're gonna join the whole mood tribe. We're gonna bring that to you whole tomorrow. Mood, baby. That's right. Oh Lord. So listen, y'all, we are out of time. Of course, we're over, but that's all right because we had such a fabulous guest in here. We want to send a shout out to the fam out at uh Philadelphia Christian Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. <laughs> 
that welcomed us with open arms and we participated in the Black Wall Street event. And Ms. Zima, you are absolutely correct. It ain't nothing like being surrounded by your people. Amen. Um, and it was beautiful. It, it was a, an amazing time. And because of that outing, we will be traveling uh, to Dallas and Atlanta uh, to visit with them because they said they need something like what we do out there. So we, we, we you know, we, we're going to be making moves soon. So, uh, but we will see you tomorrow. We will see the rest of y'all next week for 30 PST right here on Facebook and YouTube. We are black versus the board of education. Uh, y'all, uh, who's starting us, Sam? Oh yeah. Come on, Sam. Hit it. Oh, where, Anaya go. Yep. Lord. Adrian. <laughs> Melissa. Oh, that boy's Ms. Come Zima. on, Miss <laughs> Zima, come on. Oh, uh, pop it, pop it, pop it. Hey, 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 hey. We out of here. See y'all next week. <laughs>